0: Hey, have you got bare walls at home or in your office? Do you want to surround yourself with the majesty and inspiration of our mountains? I'm talking truly incredible photography of western North Carolina landscapes. RedRockPhotoNC.com. Stay tuned for details. It's the Pete Calliner Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Calliner is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. It is Friday, July 3rd, 2020. A pretty big win for school choice and freedom advocates in the Supreme Court. Uh, This week, we're going to get to in a minute. First, I want to thank some of the people who make this show possible. It is people like Beth and Al and Joseph and Ron Taylor and Rebecca, Lori and Dan, Elk and Mary and uh, Patrick and Monica. I appreciate all of the support. Couldn't do it without patrons like y'all. They are patrons. You can be a patron too. Support the show by visiting the clicking on the link, and uh, that takes you to the Patreon account. The show is also made possible by Mattress Man. What are you what are you doing listening to this podcast right now? Seriously. There are beds to be purchased at Mattress Man. For real. And you're not going to find a better deal than what Mattress Man has got going on. They've got a lot of deals, actually, for the July 4th holiday, but also for uh, an extension. It's part of an extension of their 000 sale. It was going so well. They're like, you know what? Let's extend this for a little bit longer. Uh, And so you can still take advantage of zero down, 0% interest for up to 24 months, and zero payments for three months. All right. It's been extended for you. Again, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Put this on pause, go to Mattress Man, or, okay, fine. Keep the podcast running, uh, but then just pull up mattressmanstores.com. And you know what you're going to see there? You're going to see the deals like a free adjustable base with the uh, purchase of select mattresses. And these adjustable bases are fantastic to getting circulation moving in your feet. You raise up the feet. Uh, It helps you uh, reduce snoring by raising up the head. Uh, And they also have a free box spring with Biltmore Mattress Purchases. Like I said, these deals are just crazy. So uh, go on over to Mattress Man Stores. they got four locations in Asheville, Arden, Hendersonville, but they do ship nationwide. So if you buy something on mattressmanstores.com, uh, they they will get it to you if you are local well they deliver five star delivery service a 120 day comfort guarantee okay this is like this is like a no brainer this is a no lose situation for you zero down zero interest for 24 months zero payments for 90 days a 120 day comfort guarantee you're basically sleeping for free for like months okay go check them out mattressmanstores.com experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local and sleep better. In a ruling that is uh, going to open the door to more public funding for religious education, CNN reports the Supreme Court ruled in favor of parents in Montana seeking to use a state scholarship program to send their kids to religious schools. The court said that a Montana tax credit program that sent money directly to private schools could not exclude religious Schools. So, this was a five to four ruling written by uh, the majority opinion by Chief Justice John Roberts, who joined the court's four other conservative justices. Uh, so, I want to welcome to the program Marcus Brandon. He is the executive director of North Carolina Can. That website is north.carolinacan.org. And uh, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: i am doing well so i need to ask uh first off what was your reaction just in general to this supreme court ruling were you following this case very closely
1: i was following it but i was um i was not expecting the ruling to come this time and it was a pleasant surprise i was ecstatic um, um but i i i have i have i have uh, this is you know i sponsored this bill as a legislator and so uh, this is this is, this is very dear to my heart, very dear to the work that I do on on a daily basis. So um, and 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 it coincides with what we have always done in North Carolina and what we do all over um, all over the country in every aspect of government. It's shocking that it's actually a case, to be honest with you. Um, Why is that? Because. <laughs> This, it's, it's because in every aspect of government, we use religious entities to carry out government functions. Whether it's hospitals and and we have uh, we have religious ran hospitals, um, and um, and we have uh, and, and even in education, uh, if you look at education, we have always forever uh, allowed uh, single mothers or mothers who were poor. Um, to get child care subsidies. Most of those came when parents were going to the church daycare that was the ch- that attached to the church that they went to or the, the church in their community that had a daycare. We have always used religious entities to provide um, th- that would allow us to give um, to provide the uh, services that government needs. And even if you look at the American Red Cross, if you look at um, the Salvation Army, all of these are religious institutions that the government has always used to implement service. So this is not nothing new. It's been happening since the beginning of time. And I, like I said, I'm shocked that we have to bring it up. And um, But it, it's totally constitutional. If not, then we would have to shut down a lot of things in government.
0: So one of the, you mentioned it there, uh, one of the uh, uh, things I wanted to, first off, uh, thank you for and give you some uh, congratulations for was the uh, the opportunity scholarship legislation in North Carolina that uh, that was your sponsored legislation years and years ago I don't even have kids but I support the pro-freedom policy um, so just going back to when that occurred was that a difficult thing to do because if folks don't know uh, you're a democratic lawmaker you worry democratic lawmaker uh, was that a difficult thing to do because Uh, Because you are a Democrat.
1: It was difficult because uh, because they uh, it was difficult, not the way people think it was difficult. It wasn't a difficult uh, decision for me because I was the one that was representing my constituency. They were not. Um, because 75 percent of african americans preferred a voucher program and and believe in choice they actually believe in the voucher program more than they do charters and so i i, I had no problem sleeping at night knowing that i was representing not only the majority of america but the people who wanted it the most were people who looked like me and the people who the democratic party is supposed to be representing so that was not difficult the difficult piece was to watch it to watch people literally not represent their constituency to watch people undermine what people wanted and not only wanted but needed to watch people who look like me who are in positions of power use the private school system to get ahead and then actually block people that look like them and they're supposed to, to, do, to do the exact same thing. That was the difficult part. It was not a difficult part of making a decision. It was just difficult to watch people undermine their own community, undermine everything that they're taught about what is what the great things about cultural schools that we've had, the HBCUs that we all came from. Uh, I'm a graduate of North Carolina ANT and t and a lot of them are graduates from other HBCUs around the state or the country. So they benefited from this type of education. So it was really extremely difficult to watch them let other people tell them how they should be um, uh, uh, representing their constituency and then go against 75% of them. So why do
0: you think that was the case why did the democrats and still to this day right they still talk about repealing the opportunity scholarships um why why is that the case if it's so obvious uh to uh you know to see that this is something that uh black constituents want and support why is there this hesitancy on the part of a lot of democratic lawmakers
1: i get in trouble when i answer this question but i don't (laughs) i've been in lots of trouble but really it is it's a historical we have historical um uh uh uh, it's in our history for black elected officials and leaders to take cues from people who don't look like them um and uh, like like everybody's yelling about the stop and frisk well that came from the 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 congressional black caucus it didn't come from white people it came from black people um and so um and so and and we have a history of, of 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 allowing the people in the front, they take the lead and we kind of sit in the back and just glad we're in the in the room and not knowing that the Democrats control, you know, is controlled by, by by African-American Democrats. In North Carolina, the largest caucus in, in the North Carolina General Assembly is the Legislative Black Caucus. They are indeed the largest um, caucus in the Democratic Party. But if you always look, we always have a white majority, a minority leader. But the only reason why that happens is because we allow ourselves to take a step back and don't really represent our constituency from the front. And, um, and so if behind closed doors, most uh, uh, most legislators would tell you they agree with everything I'm talking about but because of the teachers union um, um, who, um, they, who they subscribe to um, uh, who think that uh, they won't, they won't touch the issue. But um, but they, but but they they but that is not unusual for um, black politicians and black leaders to be behind their black constituency because the interest is different and when you put politics in it, um, you know people don't mind who they sacrifice. Hmm.
0: So uh, one of the things I, uh, that uh, I find. A unique parallel in our current uh, discussion uh, uh, in society with the police brutality and Black Lives Matter and uh, the the role of the police unions. And I just kind of <laughs> kind of think to myself, I wonder if a lot of these people who are making these arguments against the police unions uh, would apply these arguments to the teachers unions.
1: I am doing my best. In fact, I sent out a tweet last week, and I've been meeting with some of the Black Lives Matter, um, um, some of these young 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 people, and letting them know that um, that police that, that bad cops that are protected by police unions um, that, that 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 incarcerate our kids at um, at at a great step a disparity. It is absolutely no difference at all than when I have a teachers union who's protecting bad teachers who are suspending my kids at four times the rate for the same exact offense. And it has the exact same outcomes and 40 point academic achievement gaps and three times more likely to get kicked out, four times more likely to drop out. All of these are numbers that have existed since the inception of integration. And I, I, and I am educating these young people, at least in my area, and I hope other school choice people are, um, that this issue that you have with, um, with, with, with injustice and equality and equity, that it, 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 it is huge in um, the police department, but it is way bigger in education and the outcomes are bigger. And so what really so what really happens is, is that because we fail in the education arena, it really becomes, you know, the outcome of how they get to the police. We call it the school to prison pipeline. We've called it that for years. And why activists cannot, why activists cannot um, have not, have not cannot, but have not been able to link the two um and only concentrate on the prison part or the way we get to prison and not the school part. Um, it's something we've got to change. No one should be getting a pass right now, especially since we're having such a great national conversation. And I guess, especially since people are listening differently, but I do need, we have one, we have one problem on one side, but my Democrats, my democratic friends need to understand that you are not off the hook, that if you support policies that end up, Having black kids and, and and black communities behind for over sixty, seven years, you are also a big part of this problem. And what this is, the teachers union, who's mainly a white teacher, female teacher group, um, who has never been able to understand black kids and want to protect themselves from that reality, is what we're dealing with. And so we, as a, as a group of folks, are going to have to stop allowing that to be the bigger conversation. You have an issue as teachers about pay, but that is it. We we have a lot more issues besides your pay. And so um, we can't allow that to drown out the conversation. Uh,
0: all right. So let me uh, uh, just go play devil's advocate here. I mean, there in North Carolina. I am often told there is no teachers union. So what's the big deal? It's just an association. This is uh, n- this is a state that doesn't have collective bargaining. So uh, it sounds like you're making an argument for a state that has high union uh, uh, numbers in the education sector.
1: It's it's everybody that says that is being disingenuous. It's it's we might not legally have a union, but they certainly operate like one, and especially when they it's, it's structure. It's just like. It's, it's just like the, um, the police union. Whether they would have had a union or not, it's the culture and the structure that we're talking about. They're the ones that also the principals and administrators, and they're all in that union together. And so they're the ones that are able to protect teachers. And whether you have a law or not, every single principal across the state will tell you they can't get rid of a bad teacher. That's just fact. No one has ever said anything different to me, and they do the lemon dance and they move teachers from here to there. Yeah, and 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 and, and it happens because the teachers union has infiltrated the school board, uh, the, the school board at every level and in every county to make sure it is virtually impossible to get rid of kids. They didn't need a state law to do it. They went in and did it through doing it through. through, through By messing with superintendents and stripping their power and giving more power to a school board that they can control that's how they did it and technically they don't have a law but they certainly operate as a union and they operate and they're very powerful and um and they have been so they can say that but they do operate as one and in fact until 2010 the state was actually giving them money out of the check we were actually we were actually doing that, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So, like, I hear it, but like, uh, I like, you know, we. The, the truth is, is that they are just as powerful in the state of North Carolina as there is in New York, where it's legal to have unions.
0: You mentioned, uh, that, uh, white females generally make up the teacher core and they have a, a historically, uh, you know, difficult time, uh, identifying with and connecting with, I guess, you know, black boys, uh, specifically. Um, it, my, my sister, uh, was a teacher up in, uh, New York in one of the, one of the worst school districts. And, uh, for example, she, like her class, all black kids and they didn't think she was white they thought she was Puerto Rican because they didn't think a white person would ever teach in their school and um, th- and so I-, I I highlight that only because I wonder if we do a disservice if we uh, if we I don't know try to uh, foster, Uh, At the risk of sounding, you know, 1960s, a segregated kind of atmosphere. Is that a risk that you see a
1: segregated atmosphere? I'm just stating fact. In fact, I have a charter school um, that I'm on the board of and all of my kids are black and, and brown and most of my teachers are. But I would tell you this. But if you remove the kids and put white kids in there, we would have a problem not because we're racist, just because of cultural. I don't think any of the teachers are racist. I don't think that they even dislike black kids. That's not the point. The point is, is understanding where people come from. And the data is right there in front of us. We know. We know that if a, if a black kid has a black male teacher, they do about 30 points higher. It's not, it's just cultural. People want to get, people always want to make this a segregated conversation or do you believe in segregate? I'm just stating facts. Black teachers do well with black kids and 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 but it's not realistic to think that all kids can have a black teacher so what i'm saying is when the teachers union wants to talk about pay and no accountability Mm -hmm. and whatsoever i need for i need for us to focus more on this cultural aspect because that's the biggest reason why kids are not doing well it's not that either you have to believe black kids are not as smart As other kids, or you have to uh, like really look at why there's been a disparity and why there's been a disparity, no matter how much money we put in it. In fact, the kids that are all, they get more money than everybody title one funds, you know, uh, and different other types of grants, they get more money than anybody in the world, but they still have the same outcome. So we're really going to have to look at what's the reasoning. And um, and it's sitting right there in front of our face, and it has been sitting in front of our face for 50 years. But just like you just said, no one wants to have that conversation because that's a hard conversation. But it's a truthful conversation, and it's not. I'm not accusing anybody. I believe that most teachers go into the classroom and love every single child and want to do everything they can help them. But that does not discount the fact that you're not black and you don't don't and you don't know what those kids go through, and you don't know. Like the cultural things that, that 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 happens, and no more than I would be able to identify that with a white kid, and I was trying to teach them. And he, for example, a kid might come in that's white, and it's a black teacher, and it might be doing attention tantrum. Oh, a black teacher might say, "Oh, Johnny spoiled, and he doesn't even know," you know, Johnny's spoiled, and he's just spoiled rotten. Because a lot of black people think that about white kids. But, or even Johnny's experience. Johnny might be upset because he might miss the boat show this weekend. <laughs> and a lot of black people don't go to boat shows. so we wouldn't mind to think that's an important reason why you should be upset. But it is upsetting to Johnny. You see what I'm saying? These are mm-hmm. cultural differences that people have and biases that we have that are just natural. So we have to work on that. But we also, in the concept of working on it, we cannot limit people's ability to choose it if they think it's going to be good. I have tons of black kids that are especially black boys that are in trouble all the time. And and we already know that if I have a black male teacher or they have a cultural education like at North Carolina and T or other places, that they do well. And parents know that. So there's no reason to stop that. Um, there's no reason to... Um, to prevent that as we're trying to bridge this cultural gap you know there's no reason to uh
0: one of the things uh that uh my sister told me years ago when she was teaching the kids she said that she did notice that uh her students responded differently to different methods of teaching. She said uh, when she would, if she wanted uh, like uh, when one of her classes at a different school, that was, they were white kids. And when she wanted the white kids to perform better, uh, she, she gave them a deadline and she said, you got to do this and was kind of uh, uh, authoritarian about it. And with her black students, she realized that they responded better, especially the boys responded better to requests to, Hey, could you do this for me? And they, they would do that that for her they but the white kids wouldn't
1: <laughs> I don't know why we're just different people and it's okay we're done it's okay to be diverse it's okay to be different my, my my church is different my my college band is different and I celebrate both the NC State Band and the North Carolina NC Band they're different as they can be and people want to look at that as a problem it's not a problem it's beautiful and so um, and so we just have to embrace it and stop acting like this is a bad conversation. It's a it's it's a healthy conversation to have. It's a it, it is a, a it is a it is a it is a conversation. that, And it's also an honest conversation to have um, to talk about cultural mismatches, which I believe is the number one reason why we have constant numbers that we have.
0: So just for the record, I've never been to a boat show.
1: All right. <laughs> Just for and the... I have, but like
0: fair <laughs> <laughs> enough. Um, All right. So let me uh, let me uh, kind of bring us back over to the Supreme Court ruling. I know we've kind of gone far afield here, but this is very valuable, I think. And uh, you said something on Twitter the other day. You said thank you to the Supreme Court for understanding the difference between public education and public schools. And I guess I had known this just I, I understood this idea. But you're the first person that I actually saw articulate it like this. What did you mean by that?
1: that the, I, 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 it's very important for me for people to get it because the truth is is that there is a difference and we've always confused the two. Public education is the goal of the state, a uh, goal of government, to provide a quality public education. That is in the law. In the law, it never states anything about public schools. It says public education. Now, public schools is an entity of the way we get there, one entity of the way we get there, but it's not never in our laws that, that we did that we say that that's the only way that we get there public education can mean many many different things and um and so whether it's whether it's homeschool whether it's um private school whether it's whether it's um No matter what it is, Um, if it receives public funds, it is a part of our public education system. And um, we've got to stop this notion, which is it's really bad policy and Of thinking that public schools can handle all of the mass, the vast majority needs of our citizens. It's an impossible goal. And and if anybody believes that, then they're actually just engaging in bad policy and what I consider political malpractice, because there's a reason why we've never achieved that, because it's an impossible goal. And so um, just take, for example, if they got rid of all of the charter schools and all everybody came back to public schools, they wouldn't be able to handle it. They don't even have the space or the teachers. Every year we have a teacher shortage. Every year we have space shortage. And, and, and even this year with the pandemic, we know that 15 percent of private school kids are going to come back to the public schools just because the financial. The state can't even handle 15 percent people coming back. And I know that the local areas cannot, the counties cannot. So this dream of public schools can take care of everything is a dream, but it's not only a dream. It is, it's not what we have written in the law. The law is for us to deal with public education, not public schools. That is not, that is not, that is not the, um, the goal of, of of the state. And, um, and and um in the Landra ruling, it continues to talk about public education. Public schools is the way we get there. And a lot of my friends on my side have used this ruling to figure out, uh, to say that this is a way to, uh, that they should get rid of schools of choice. And I look at it, it's the exact opposite. I look at it, the Landra ruling has said that this, this entity over here, public schools, which is, by the way, the least accountable entity in the whole state, um, has not met its obligations. So it would behoove the state in its obligation to make sure that if you're going to make sure that they have a adequate education, that you look at other entities to be able to provide that. Um, to, so it, it, it baffles me that people come up with the conclusion that, oh, you failed at this ever since we've got the ruling. Not only have you failed at it since you've got the rule, you have never moved the number one time I can read the Elanjer report every year without even having to read it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's it, because it's the same thing.
0: Have you ever seen a photo of the Blue Ridge Mountains so stunning that you couldn't look away? Well, that was me when I first saw Stacy Redmond's work at RedRockPhotoNC.com. Stacy is from Western North Carolina, shooting landscapes for two decades after he realized life is short. You don't get time back. So do what you love. Don't regret not spending time with family or chasing your dream. His work is brilliant, striking, and easily affordable for any space. See for yourself at RedRockPhotoNC.com. Use promo code PETE for 20% off. That's RedRockPhotoNC.com. Have you been trying to set up or improve your business's website? It can be overwhelming for any of us. I know it was for me. So let my friend Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design help you with logos, graphics, photos, and online stores, search engine optimization, website maintenance, and security. For professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith Design. Make your site look professional and user-friendly for your customers and you so you can adapt quickly. SchaeferSmith.com. That's SchaeferSmith.com. The show was also made possible by Rowena Patton and her All Star Powerhouse team. Current events have impacted us all in many different ways, and maybe you need to sell your house, but you're thinking, I don't want the traffic coming through my house right now. Well, Rowena Patton and her All Star Powerhouse team, they've got investors ready to tour your home virtually and potentially make a cash offer, saving you the hassle and stress of buyers having to walk through your home. Start out with a video consult with Rowena Patton. She's the only agent I would call if I'm buying or selling a house. You should too. Call her today. mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. The show is also made possible by Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Are you ready for disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for military surplus that's real? For more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It's an old-school, traditional store with a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff all the time. American-made because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, dog tags, gear, Old Grouch's on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, and at Old grouch.com So let me give a background here real quick on the Leandro case uh started um was like re- in early 90s it was five low wealth counties they sued the state and they claimed that North Carolina was not providing their kids with the same educational opportunities as students in higher income districts. The state Supreme Court ultimately said that the state's kids have a fundamental right to the opportunity to receive a sound basic education and that North Carolina had not lived up to that constitutional requirement. So they went back and forth on this case for years and years and In 2017, uh, they had an independent consultant uh, uh, chosen to make recommendations on how the state can ensure quality education for every kid. Uh, And that consultant um, released a report late last year that laid out exactly how the state can ensure that all students uh, have the opportunity for a sound, basic education. That's sort of the the slogan that you hear a lot of times. Sound, basic education comes right out of the Constitution, the state Constitution. So they entered a consent order signed by a judge, and it lays out the general agreement of all parties. And so now Democrats in the General Assembly in the House, they ran a couple bills uh, that they say would uh would sort of make the state more comply with the leandro ruling and it seems to me like it's just kind of as you mentioned more of the same right it's throw more money at various things like setting up an office of equity and oversight establishing an opportunity gap task force do you think those things are going to work
1: no it's just blah 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 it's just the same stuff what it, what 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 I do believe in the education, the equity task force, but I don't agree with it the way they're doing it. And and and, and of course, I've been in the General Assembly long um, uh, and around it enough to know a study bill is exactly that. We have a million of them. And so um, and to study exactly what we already know. Um, And we already know that study bills mean nothing, and we are, and you can do the equity task force. And so we already know, we already know this stuff. They've already known it for a long time, and and so to do a task force on on things that other states and our state and everybody else has already been telling you since 1977, and um and and we have it, it's just what it is. And part of the conversation that I was t- talking about earlier, no one really wants to have. And that's the cultural mismatch. And so until everybody's really, really, really wanting to have that conversation and really have it honestly and really have it in terms of, like, how do we increase more African-American teachers? How do we remove those barriers for them to getting there? How do we make sure that... that when they get there, like the biggest problem with black male teachers is not pay, it's not anything, is that if you do it, when we did the survey for it, it was that they become all things black in the school. They have to be the teacher, the disciplinarian, they have to be the school counselor for all things black in that school because there's so few of them. And then they get exhausted and they leave the profession. How do we deal with those things? These are all things that we need to deal with. These are all things that I think the teachers union should have been dealt with, Hmm. by the way. And so, um, because it's not like they didn't know. Right. And if anybody knew, they knew first. And so instead of dealing with it, what they did was mask it and tried to protect it. And here we are. So it sounds
0: like then that... um well, uh, let me, I'll, I'll approach it this way. See, you mentioned uh, earlier the lemon dance. So I'm going to assume uh, you've seen the movie Waiting for Superman uh, yeah. because that's where I became aware of that term. And uh, one of the things that I walked away from that movie, and this movie's what, like 10 years old now or something. Uh, but one of the things that, uh, uh, that I came away sort of understanding is that it's not necessarily the schools that are the problem per se, that these problems um, exist in the neighborhood. They come into the schools, but because the schools don't help uh, the neighborhood overcome it, it just becomes a failure factory, I think is what they use the term, uh, and that at some point, the, the the culture outside the school became the culture inside the school, and now you're repeating these cycles of, of failure.
1: Yeah, but you're also, yeah, that's a, that, that, that's absolutely true, and what people don't do is extend it. You're also creating the culture of mismatch. You know what I'm saying? Like it just keeps repeating itself, and so the kids don't see themselves in the school. So they bring it, and so everything that's in the community gets exploited um, because that's not what they see. So what's the answer? The answer is for 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 me is 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 really pretty bad. as a Democrat, but like I believe that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do believe that nothing moves unless money moves. That's what I believe. I believe that if I have more schools of choice and that once people start seeing other kids, especially in the black community where the, if there's never been... See, they fix, they make the schools in in the white communities great because they know that white people have always made choices. They will go to the charter school. They will go to the Catholic school. They will go to the country day school. So they make sure that those are perfect and great, but they don't have to worry about the black schools because they've never had choice, and those kids, they're going to get that $9,400 whether they do anything or not, and that's why you see 20 years of the same school failing every single year so my thing is is that we add more options and we create more competition and then let people know and let parents know that they don't have to be educated that way in a mismatch then i think that the other people will come along and say hey you know what everything that we fear is going to happen We will lose public schools if we don't change it. And I'm okay with that conversation because what I have right now is not any good for my community. So, like, if it all gets scrapped, that's just as good for me. So I'm not afraid of the whole, oh, this might be bad for public education. Look, I need public education to get better. And you can't keep yelling money to me. Because we spend more money than anybody in the entire world, and I get the worst outcomes for it. And my people get the worst outcomes out of the worst outcomes. And what what everybody needs to understand, white people, black people, rural people, urban people, rich people and poor, that we all have bad outcomes globally. Marcus
0: Brandon is the executive director of North Carolina can the website is north.carolinacan.org and also, uh, the original, uh, one of the original sponsors of the opportunity scholarship program here in North Carolina. Thank you for your time, Marcus. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure talking with you.
1: Appreciate you buddy. Have a good day.
0: All right. And, uh, just to circle back around to the Supreme court ruling on this case out of Montana, the background on this story, it's pretty interesting. I thought, uh, it started with a, a program that the uh, legislature in Montana set up uh, starting in 2015 and it let people get a tax credit for up to one hundred fifty dollars if they made a contribution to a scholarship program. And uh, those donations then were all sort of pooled in, in, in the state coffers and then they would hand those out. As vouchers for kids to help fund tuition at private schools. Well, in Montana, uh, like the majority of private schools are religiously affiliated. So the Montana Department of Revenue, they came in and said, you know what? Um, You can't use this money for these schools because the state constitution bars state funding for religious education. So that then prompts three moms to sue, and they're all low-income women, and they get, uh, they get together with the Institute for Justice, and the lawyers argued uh, that they cannot be denied public benefit uh, that uh, is offered to other people. In non-religious private schools. In other words, they're being discriminated against because they can't use the voucher for a religious affiliated school. The Montana Supreme Court then just threw out the whole program. (laughs) They just said, screw it. The whole thing's everybody out of the pool. The whole thing's over. Right. The Institute for Justice asked the court to rule that the state Supreme court. So, so the Institute for justice, the lawyers for the moms, they then go to the U S Supreme court. They ask that the state Supreme court, the Montana court, uh, They say, hey, look, that violated the U.S. Constitution. They said that Montana's amendment that bars state funding for religious schools violates the Equal Protection Clause because it is rooted in religious animus. So they went right after the constitutional amendment in Montana in that state constitution, right? The U.S. Justice Department sided with the parents, arguing that the state's constitutional amendment violates the federal constitution's free exercise clause because it discriminates on the basis of religious status in the distribution of benefits. Right um, now, Justice Stephen Breyer, one of the liberals on the court, um, he, uh, he, he dissented, I think he wrote the opinion. He said, if for 250 years we have drawn a line at forcing taxpayers to pay the salaries of those who teach their faith from the pulpit, I do not see how we can today require Montana to adopt a different view respecting those who teach it in the classroom. Justice Sonia Sotomayor called the ruling perverse. The National Education Association blasted the decision as well. Um, so here is the, uh, now here's the other side of it. Chief Justice John Roberts, he joined the four uh, conservatives on the court. I know, right? Shocker of shockers. It's, well, you know, he, he hasn't really been doing that a lot lately. So anyway, so he, he joins the four conservatives and he says, look, a state doesn't have to subsidize private education, right? It's totally up to the state to do that. They do not need to set up these types of voucher programs. Um, But once a state decides to do that, it cannot disqualify some private schools solely because they are religious. He emphasized in the Montana case that, quote, we have repeatedly held that the Establishment Clause is not offended when religious observers and organizations benefit from neutral government programs. And there's the key. You got to treat people the same. It's got to be neutral. You can't say, okay, you get to use the money over here, secular school, but you don't get to use the money over here, Catholic school. You can't do that. If you're offering tuition subsidies, they have to be available for anybody to use. This is going to have profound effects throughout the country, I suspect. And... Uh, oh, it's just so nice to see the teachers union just lose their grip on their monopoly, right? That's that's what's happening, right? Freedom, the, the freedom to choose, uh, it is finally working its way into the government education system. What will not be working its way into the system is a series of pay raises for teachers, even though the governor has finally signed a bill... For teacher pay, it's the first one he's ever signed. It doesn't have a teacher pay raise in it. It has a bonus. After twice vetoing teacher pay raises last year, Governor Roy Cooper, he's never, by the way, he has vetoed every teacher pay raise that has come to his desk. Um, Governor Cooper signed a bill that'll give a one-time bonus to teachers and includes an increase in the steps. Okay, so you have Senate Bill 818. It gave all teachers and instructional support personnel a one-time $350 bonus to be paid out uh, by October 31st. Teachers will also see step increases, which are the pay scale levels based on experience and longevity. The North State Journal reports for most teachers that step increase will be $1,000. The steps, uh, just a side note here if you recall, prior to the Republicans taking over the legislature in 2011, Democrats had constructed a completely ridiculous and overly complex system uh, to uh, reward teachers with uh, uh, various steps. And they had like one that would come around like year three and then another one at year five and then another one at year eight and another one at year 11. So they're just random steps and uh, you would get these big jumps, right? And so what the Republicans did was say, you know what, uh, when they first took over, they said, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to we're, we're going to fix this compensation model. And we're going to say, well, the first off, they tried to do merit based pay and Democrats in the union uh, would hear none of it. But uh, they what they eventually implemented was a series of annual steps, basically guaranteed annual pay increases of $1000 when you start as a teacher with zero experience you get $1000 a year every year for the first 15 years your starting pay is 35k and after year 15 you are at $50,000 a year just for sticking around okay that's it so and by the way when they did this the Uh, Teachers Union and Democrats and veteran teachers were like, how dare you? You didn't give us raises. So then they came back and did the veterans and they gave them uh, pay raises and such. Uh, But every year the governor vetoes the pay raises because he says it should be more. The assignment of bonuses is usually determined by student performance, but Covid, So we don't have all of the uh, data this year. It's all incomplete. So as a result, the bill just gives each teacher the same size bonus. Um, Cooper said, quote, I signed this bill. Well, the press release says I signed this bill because it funds step increases for teachers that have already been promised. Okay. by the way, the uh, the budget that he vetoed last year twice, it also funded the step increases. He says, it fall this bill he says falls outrageously short on raises we need to give teachers and all school personnel like bus drivers and cafeteria workers so wait a minute if that's well that's the same argument he used last year it's the same thing he said before it's why he rejected all of the budget at every step and even rejected a standalone teacher pay raise bill he did he, he rejected all of this Because he said he wants more. And rather than taking, you know, 80% of the loaf and then coming back later to try to get the other 20%, no, no, he says, I don't want any of the loaf of bread. I'm going to reject the whole loaf unless I get the whole thing. And he didn't get any of it, right? And last year, he didn't get any of it because the legislature could not override his veto. So they just did piecemeal budgets, these little mini budgets, and they uh, they did what they could. He vetoed some other things, including another pay raise bill, because he was trying to leverage the, the teachers for uh, the teacher pay raises. He was trying to leverage that to get Medicaid expansion. That was his political play, and the teachers' union backed him, right? That's that's that was the play and they backed him and they were like well, it's okay we don't need this raise cuz we recognize medicaid expansion is worth it and then they didn't get any of it and then covid hit and now our budget is going to be about 5 billion dollars short yeah uh, our budget's somewhere around 22 billion a year or so 24 22 24 billion a year so it's a, we're losing about 20 to 25% of our revenue guess who's not getting raises well, yeah, everybody in the private sector, but um, despite a budget shortfall estimated five billion dollars, Democrats pushed for amendments in the session that just ended that included a one-time bonus of twelve hundred fifty dollars for teachers and one thousand b- uh, dollars bonus to non-instructional employees. Um, by the way, l- let me just take us uh, let's let's take a side trip here. The average teacher pay in two thousand thirteen. Was just under $45,000 a year in 2013, 45K. Um, then the Republicans start implementing pay raises. They do a 7% pay raise, they do an almost 4%, they do an almost 5%, they do another 3%, they do a 6.5%. That's one, two, three, four, five raises, and they try to do the sixth. They tried to do another one last year, and they couldn't do it because they got vetoed twice. So let me. By the way, the average teacher pay now in North Carolina is fifty-five thousand six hundred dollars. That does include local supplements. People, are, people usually argue with me about the well. That's because uh, that number is just. Uh, it's an average, you know. Well, yes, it is. It's why it's called the average teacher pay. And it's always comical to me as to how important and relevant this data point becomes, depending on whether Democrats need it or not. Right. So when the teacher pay average was very low and we were, what, 47th or 49th in the country uh, by uh, by the average teacher pay figure, then, oh, my gosh, this was the most important stat that you could ever need to know when talking about education funding. Average teacher pay. We're terrible. Republicans hate teachers. They want everybody stupid. Uh, they hate education. They're they're you know destroying the state and its legacy of uh, of of pro education policies. Right. And then last year when we pushed that salary up over fifty five thousand dollars a year, making us uh, like twenty fifth or twenty seventh or something like that in the st- in the nation for average teacher pay. Well now. Th- Yeah, that stat isn't really that important anymore. People literally started changing their arguments last year because we had done so well, had made such improvement that they started to say, well, it's really, that's not the real good data point you want to look at. You want to look at the median, the median pay. You know, because all of these uh, salaries, they're just being inflated. The average salary is inflated because of all of these local supplements in the big school districts in Charlotte and Raleigh and such. Well, yeah, that's where most of the teachers are. So, yeah, it's going to have an impact on the data. I do find it interesting. So, yeah, so so then they reject it. And this is all union data, by the way. The NEA, National Teachers Union, they're the ones who come up with the list. They're the ones who put out this average teacher pay list in order to shame states into raising their pay, right? Without any uh, thought paid to whether or not you should be getting paid that amount of money or, like, what's the spread and what's the cost of living? Like, seriously, if if every state is paying its teachers... Uh, plus or minus $10,000 from each other. Like, let's say uh, the most expensive state's giving its teachers a, you know 90000 a year on average, and the worst state is giving its teachers 80000 a year. Well, the worst state's going to be ranked 50th. But what does that mean, right? It's ranked 50th. Yeah, but the, the difference is $10,000. Also, a better measurement is include the cost of living. And so when you include the cost of living then all of a sudden North Carolina doesn't look so bad because North Carolina has a pretty low, in general, cost of living. When you include that calculation, it takes us to 26th. So we're 26th in teacher pay. And the salary, on average, is about $57,000. That's what it works out to be in sort of real dollars based on cost of living adjustments. By the way, the number one state is Illinois. Illinois, $76,000. Uh, that's uh, top pay, or that's their their pay with cost of living included. Followed by Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Washington, Ohio, Massachusetts, and Iowa. The United States average is about sixty-three thousand. Uh, but again, we're below the cost of living, na- uh, the average cost of living nationally. So uh, our teachers, they, they may if they make more money, the money goes further here. Uh, Tennessee is a little bit. Uh, they compensate their teachers a little bit more. It's $57,600. seven six we are at $57,300. And South Carolina is behind us then at like $54,000. Uh, the worst, Hawaii. Hawaii. Democrat stronghold that that is. Thirty-three thousand—that's essentially the average teacher pay in Hawaii when you include cost of living, because Hawaii is very expensive to live. Thirty-three thousand. Maine at forty-seven thousand. Montana at forty-eight thousand. Florida forty-nine. South Dakota forty-nine. And Washington D.C. at forty-nine. See, so the spread is not huge. It's—it's it's not a huge spread. Uh, but uh, the numbers are pretty good, and Republicans are in charge, and so that means we can't use the average teacher pay as a number uh to uh to rank ourselves with, to compare ourselves with other states. we can't, right? because it makes Republicans look good and Democrats in the teachers Union can't have that. In fact, this is kind of comical I've been saving this for a little while. this is from the NCAE. it's their press release back when the Republicans first proposed Senate bill 818 the the with the bonus here's here's what they said quote, the disrespect being shown to educators in this pay bill is egregious, said Mark Jewell, the president of the North Carolina Association of Educators. Quote, educators have been on the front lines of this pandemic from the beginning, making the meals, adapting the curriculum, serving the food, and checking in on their students' emotional and physical well-being. We put our health and the health of our families at risk e- a day after day, and yet this General Assembly only sees fit to give us a $350 bonus. All other state employees are still scheduled to get their 2.5% pay raise on top of the 2.5% they got last year, when, again, we received nothing. Like, the gaslighting here by this guy, it's pretty remarkable. Honestly, like you didn't get a pay raise, idiot, because you guys threw your lot in with Cooper, who used you willingly as leverage to get Medicaid expansion, and you didn't get that. And then he wouldn't even take the clean bill. There was a clean bill offered to him that would have given teachers, what, a 4.9% pay raise, and he didn't take that either. Okay? You guys are back in the wrong horse. Sorry to say they the the general assembly the republicans they offered you so many opportunities to break with cooper and to take the and to to convince your fellow democrats basically in the general assembly to override the veto and give teachers a pay raise but you couldn't do it you wouldn't do it right you made political calculations and then the bottom fell out of the economy thank you covid and now you got nothing i shouldn't even say you got nothing You got a $1,000 pay raise guaranteed every year for the first 15 years. You guys got your steps. And you're getting a $350 bonus. Now, you tell me how many people in the private sector are getting that kind of love during the downturn. If they even still have jobs. That's a wrap for this episode. Please remember, subscribe to the podcast. Get all of the cool stuff and exclusive content. The links are at ThePeteCalendarShow.com and in the description of the podcast. Thanks so much for your support. We'll talk to you later. Have a great weekend. Don't break anything while I'm gone.